for downloading episode four of Airship Travelogs. I'm Noah, and also here, of course, is Mark. Of course I'm serious, and don't call me Shirley. And our special guest co-host in this episode is Rob Keys of GameRant.com. Hello, hello. So, Rob, you're Game Rant, and you're also Screen Rant, right? That's correct. I'm an editor and writer for Screen Rant. I've been there for about three years. And then when we decided to expand and launch the video game site, I am I became the leader of that. So I'm the editor-in-chief of Game Rant as well. When did Game Rant start, actually? Game Rant, well, it'll be two years come September. But our official oh. launch date was sometime in November. But we built up content for two months and you know acquired writers before we launched it officially. And... um. Of course, Rob and I got acquainted, so to speak, a couple months ago when you got this email from me randomly out of nowhere. And I'm like, hey, I see you're this editor-in-chief type guy. You seem pretty important. You want to be in the all-star roundtables we do at Game Explain. And poor Rob got sucked into it ever since. So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was fun. I love that. I love I love being able to express my opinion on things like everywhere. So I'm always game. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have one quick question for you. Sure. Um what do you? What would you say distinguishes or differentiates Game Rant from all the other gaming po- um, podcasts, gaming websites out there? Uh, well, we take the same philosophy Screen Rant does because um, if you guys, being web users, know that there's a million movie blogs out there, and now with the advent of gaming and its popularity, there's even a million more video game sites. And the problem with most of them is that they all take the same news and just kind of rehash it. So you get to read the same headlines everywhere but there's no insight or history or opinion on what that means and, and the bigger picture of it. So unlike most articles where you go to a site, you'll see 80 to 100 words just telling you a headline and a quote. You go to Game Rant, and you'll see the headline and a quote. Everything has led up to that point, what we think it means, our speculation on the future, and our research into it. So all of our articles are 400 words editorial. You know, They're op-eds, not your typical headlines. You know what I mean? So it gives personality to the site, and our goal is to uh, create sort of a community feel in our comment section. So we try to create discussion starting with our own opinions, and then we try to bring everybody else in, and then we keep that going. That's how we build a community. And I think that's what really helps us stand out, and it really helps people get motivated because it's not just a place where you sit there and write your quota. You go there and you get to express yourself, and that's what's so special about it. I have noticed, actually, reading reading your articles, um, there is a lot of – links to previous articles, lots of documentation about um, the history of these various news items. And yes, there's a lot of opinions constantly. Yes, it's very interesting. A lot of information and a lot of opinions for sure. So you'll fit, right, you'll fit in right here. No problem. <laughs> That's right. For this week's episode, we, or, or for this particular episode, I just remember this is bi-weekly, so it's not this week. For this particular episode, we are going to stray away from our single-topic roundtable format that we've used in the past few episodes and do a bit more of a potpourri of topics, which uh, Mark will tee up for us. And we'll also get into your feedback from episode three and put Rob in the enviable spot of jumping into conversations <laughs> about the last episode that he was not in. Yay. So hot seat feedback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you would like to email unique feedback to the to this podcast, send it into airship at nintendojo.com. And you can of course, as always, leave comments for us over on the website. Please review us on iTunes. 
And if you're all about Nintendojo, want to check out the other podcasts that we have going, it's almost at 160 episodes, Dojo Show Go. Go check out Nintendojo.com. You can stay updated at Twitter.com slash Nintendojo or like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Nintendojo. Now that all of our website commercials are out of the way, <laughs> we can get into the proper meat of this podcast. Mark, what shall we address first? You know, it's a news story that really, really intrigues me and tickles me, but ultimately means nothing to me. <laughs> That's because I'm dead on the inside. Um, do you guys watch football at all? No. Yeah, okay, that makes three of us then. <laughs> Very interesting. We just lost some listeners there. Oh, no. <laughs> Ask me a hockey question. That's right. Oh. He's Canadian. Yes. <laughs> With uh, John Candy. Remember, Noah, we're supposed to work in some John Candy references for Rob? Oh, oh. that's right. And something about bacon. That's yeah. something a little more modern. <laughs> my oh, my like... Reynolds references. Yeah. Celine Dion. Terrence <laughs> <Sure>. and Philip. <laughs> Love that. Okay, I'm, I'm game. Digging for our treasure. Um, don't forget that uh, Noah and I are – I always call you Matthew, Noah, I'm sorry. Noah and I are much older than you, much, much, much older than you. And we grew up watching um, uh, Camp Candy, the cartoon show, Saturday morning. So, Oh, my gosh, that was awful. Why did you remind awesome. me? What are we talking about? Uh, maybe to you. Maybe in your side of the U.S. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> back on. Guys, this is going to be a train wreck of a podcast, isn't it? <laughs> And by train wreck, I mean completely awesome. <laughs> uh, last week, week before, Sony announced, or someone, DirecTV announced, that they're going to offer their um, NFL package on the PlayStation 3. No, the PlayStation Network, I should be more specific. Did you guys catch that news? Yeah, we actually covered it in Game Rant. Now, any thoughts or reactions to that? Um, For me, I, again, this is just bad location. That's not available in Canada, unfortunately. And we're a little behind because you guys, well, on Xbox, you guys also have the ESPN package, I believe, right? Yeah. Canada yes. either because we don't use ESPN. We have TSN instead. Um, so to me, it's not a big deal, but I understand from my American contingent of writers that it is a pretty big deal. And they're, some of them are very excited about it. We have a few hardcore Madden NFL gamers and a lot of fans of the, of the sport. So um, I understand it's a big deal because they use the PS3 as kind of their home entertainment system of sorts, not just for Blu-rays, but now thanks to the advent of Netflix and everything else, they use it for live streaming everything they can. So um, for them, yeah, it was a big deal for people who have a PS3 for sure. So your your writers, or some of them at least, are going to actually subscribe to that? Yeah, yes. I know two for sure will. But like, the price was like, what, $350? Yeah, well, that is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that Canadian dollars? <laughs> Which, by the way, are worth more than American dollars right now. They Just... totally are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most things are, I think. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Because I remember like when I was in school doing economics, like it was like 60 cents on the dollar. Now it's the total opposite. Well, not total opposite, but I mean it swung the other way. It's yeah. crazy how it happened. But yeah, no, it's crazy expensive. But I mean, these are the guys who sit there on a Sunday – and watch football for eight hours, and these are the type of guys that go to tailgate parties and such. So for them, over a year, that's not a lot of money. I mean, that's a pair of tickets to some, to some games, right? Yeah. That's a good point, actually. That's a very good point. That's probably how the business suits justified that price tag in the first place. 
Yeah, and to throw in another hockey Canadian reference here, uh, I live in the Toronto area, and Toronto Maple Leafs, if anybody knows anything about hockey, they have, like, ridiculous pricing. Um, and you want to get gold or platinum seats to those games, they can cost $400 a ticket. So, wow. Holy um, God. Yeah, and football is crazy. Football also, um, you know, the Bills are trying to kind of expand into Toronto. They've been playing a few games in downtown Toronto each season now and a few preseason games. And the ticket prices for those games, even the preseason games, were absurd. It was the same price as getting that package for the year. So um, <laughs> I don't know what the tickets are for all, all the teams, like your local teams, but uh, it does sound, you think of just that price and what you're getting for it as a digital streaming service, it's crazy. But in the grand scheme of things, compared to other NFL pricing, it's not outlandish by any means. Hmm. I wonder how many people, like the, the percentage of PS3 users are actually going actually gonna to use that. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, maybe they're trying to offset that with the PS3 price drop because now it's two hundred fifty dollars, <laughs> which is cheaper than the actual plan. So it's weird, but <laughs> that's a good point. Like I yeah. said, it means to me personally. Oh, I'm sorry, no, go right ahead. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Mark. I think we're just gonna have to wait and see. It, I, I personally, uh, I think more offerings like this need to occur. So there is a vibrant cornucopia of things to choose from for people who are football fans and who are hockey fans or who aren't fans of sports at all that there's something you've got netflix and stuff like that but it's good for sony they can definitely use content partnerships because so many people i know who have a ps3 even just people i've casually talked to in stores randomly they say they've gotten a ps3 not at all for games just for media capabilities and Sony is definitely responding directly to the to that demographic acknowledging this is the kind of content they want so this is what we're going to serve up in addition to exclusive games that's actually a good point because because of the pricing of the PS3 like when it launched it was crazy expensive but just a few months after launch it was that was when the Blu-ray players were first starting to come out and the Blu-ray players by themselves were so expensive it was actually a better deal to buy a PS3 even if you yeah. just want to watch Blu-rays. And with the price drops continued and continued and continued, and the fact that you can use it as a browser if you want, although I think it's a terrible browser, but people still use it for that and other services. And on top of that, the games, um, yeah, it's a good point. Not everyone who owns a PS3 is there just to play hardcore games. They can get downloadables. They can get all the free stuff. So it's 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 a, like I said, it's a home entertainment system, and that's what Sony's been trying to market it as ever since. You know, I was actually in a Best Buy for the first time in a long time the other day. And, Rob, you know what Best Buy is, right? They have those in Canada? <laughs> yes, we do. Okay, just making sure. Um, and I had two different employees like, within five minutes stop me, like, hey, you need any help? I'm like, no, thanks. I'm just looking at my Blu-ray movies. Okay. Oh, hey, by the way, do you, do you have cable? I'm like, well, no, actually. I only have one TV in my house, and my wife and I use it just for playing games and watching movies in the PS3. We don't get cable. It's, we can't afford it, to be honest with you. And both of them just kind of stopped and went, oh, all right. I'm like, yeah, and isn't that weird? I'm just using, I'm just a PS3 user. And they said, no, man, like five people I've asked today. That's what they said. I am I just use my PS3. <laughs> I, have, I don't have a cable package. I don't do this. I don't do that. So I was really annoyed that Best Buy is trying to peddle cable deals at me every few minutes. <laughs> but that's they, do, really... they have those direct TV representatives that lurk around there, try to sneak attack you. Like Solid Snake, right? <laughs> Yes. Colonel. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it's this is an interesting topic when you take it back to Nintendo stuff because one of the main reasons 
I was really excited about 3DS initially before it came out was <laughs> I had hoped, perhaps naively assumed, that 3DS would support Netflix out of the box and in particular 3D movies and renting 3D movies. Uh, how cool is this? A really great display and it's portable, and plus it has all this great gaming content, and of course Nintendo totally dropped the ball on so many things with 3DS, and it's coming in piece by piece, but it was a major stopgap, because there weren't a lot of games that I wanted in the launch library, so that whole media angle, like you, like we've been talking about here, was a really important selling point, especially with the price of the hardware being much more expensive than previous handheld systems. So I, I think especially with smartphones offering so much functionality and with iPads and, and tablet computers offering so much and, and people being really drawn to those and finding those appealing, that if hardware can't be multifaceted, it, the exclusive game content may not be enough. And people will be like, especially with the way the economy is, they want to get the most for their money. And if they look at something that's hundreds of dollars and can't perceive multiple value opportunities, multiple uses that the hardware is, it's a much tougher sell unless it can achieve as Apple does with its branding magic, just this general appeal that it's cool and trendy to have this piece of hardware that may outweigh the lack of additional content or functionality. Yeah, that's a good point. I want to, we're kind of straying away from the DirecTV thing, but I want to, um, in regards to the 3DS, you're totally right. And the problem is, for me, that the, there's a they dropped the ball on a lot of things. And a big part of that was, I think, the games library that they started with, which I think were all overpriced and all pretty weak. But um, it's the cost of it all. And we saw that with the new $80 price drop for the 3DS. But the games, like some of the games you get, like from Nintendogs to the submarine game, they're $40 at launch. And in best case, it's $30. If you look what you can get for $30 on you know the app market for an iPhone, you can get oh. so many more hours of gameplay and better looking games to boot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's such a tough sell. And and another like you made another good point about them being these devices being multifaceted. If I have a smartphone that can play games, why do I want to carry a secondary device in my other pocket, a bigger one? Yeah. You know, I want one thing that can do it all and the three D S can't do it all. And this is going to be a big problem when Sony comes out with the Vita next year. Um, they're, it, it's a sexy system. It has fabulous graphics. It's going to have better games, I think, than the 3DS or better-looking games. But do people want to carry a larger handheld that, you know, for Facebook and Twitter and other things you can already do in your smartphone? And it, it's not a phone, so you still have to carry your phone. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's such a tough sell. And the games, again, how much are the games going to cost? versus the digital content that we're going to get from indie developers and, and other ports and such. So it's a very interesting situation. I think we're on, a, on the verge of something that's going to change drastically in the industry. That's something, Noah, we probably should have said as well up front. Uh, one thing I have noticed, Rob, in, in all seriousness, is that Game Rant has been very critical, shall we say, of the 3DS since almost Absolutely. day one, basically. Yeah, we have, we have two guys who, are, who both own a 3DS and... They're trying to find reasons to play them, and we're all kind of happy, and we agree with Nintendo on the um, on the price drop, especially with the, with the Vita announcing their prices that were comparable. Um, 
But there, have you guys seen the newest rumors of them possibly launching a new model that has two, <laughs> two sticks? Yeah. I think what it's do you guys think about that? It's totally bogus? I think so. Oh, man, because I think they need that. Because if you have that, then you can do everything. If you have the two sticks and the two buttons up top and, and the regular controls, then you can play all the games that the other handheld's going to be able to play. You know what I mean? Because right now, one stick... Easier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't do a first-person... You cannot play a first-person shooter without two sticks. It's just not going to work right. So having two sticks that gives you... Opens it up to countless possibilities, not just for, like, the, the so-called hardcore games, but it's you get so many more interesting and innovative smaller games, too, that can use both easier. And um, I think that would really, really help them. I'm shocked they didn't launch with two sticks. That that was yeah. the common sense next yeah. evolution for me. And to be honest, I don't want to play it if it doesn't have that. I can't play the games I want. And I'm not going to pay $40 for a, a remake of a game I played on the 64 ever. Like, <laughs> that's absurd. And then, Preach. especially if I don't. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff bothers me. I think it's so expensive. And I, I think what really killed it for some of us is um, Miyamoto's words about them not trying to compete with the digital market. They're saying they want to protect the developers. But, I mean, I think you're hurting developers if they can't sell cheaper games. Look at what the developers are making. On, on You can get from PC services like Steam to all the – from the Android market to everything you can get with the App Store. They're making big money off selling affordable games. And that 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 encourages innovation to give them – chances to make sequels and other games and games we haven't seen before but if you're only going to sell 30 40 expensive games it's that's it's so tough and you're gonna have a weaker and you're gonna have a smaller library and that's what we've seen with the 3ds and they're hurting right now they didn't sell as many units as everybody wanted right yeah. so now they're trying to swim back but are and they're trying to swim back at the same time that the vita is preparing to launch so it's very very awkward timing so i don't know i mean do you guys i'm assuming you both have a 3ds right haha <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> okay how often do you play do you play it a lot um i do not my wife actually spent a lot of time playing uh ocarina of time but uh i the last couple months or so even god even before that i i've had literally no time to play anything i finally sat down and i'm forcing myself to finish through um arkham asylum because i never finished that a couple of years ago oh but that's this, funny enough i'm also trying to beat that game <laughs> there you go yeah, this is the first game I probably played in about. I don't. Well, I played through Portal Two. I, I made time. That game was oh, so. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Right, right. I understand. Other than that, even last Christmas, I didn't have time to do anything. It's, okay. it's depressing. So it's not an issue of time. I was just wondering. I, I was asking that to see if there were just games that you couldn't and didn't really want to play on the unit. You know, I'll tell you the whole thing about forty dollars games for the 3DS. I was actually relieved when I saw they were forty dollars. Excuse me. Going to cough in your ear. Um, with with the PSP having fifty dollar games, I was completely afraid Nintendo would try to do the same thing. They, they would say, "Oh, look at Sony. Sony can price a handheld at this ridiculous price of two fifty. We can do it too. They can have fifty dollar games for the system. We can do that too." And I was so thankful that like at least they had enough common sense to pull back that ten dollars. I was actually again relieved by that. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple comments. First of all, in the, in the DS's defense, there have been first-person shooters on DS, but still, it's not the same no, as a dual stick. Some people have enjoyed it, and they, they've sold well enough for many Call of Duty games to come out on the DS. But I I would be right there with you, Rob, in that I would pre- much rather prefer to play with the control scheme that I've learned and fine-tuned over a decade uh, with with dual sticks. It's definitely much more pleasurable. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, if it did support dual sticks, we could see a lot more crossover between the Wii yeah. U when it launches and the, and, the, and the handheld, which is what we're seeing with the Vita, right? The Vita is literally a controller for the PS3 when it comes out because it has all the same buttons. And I'm like, that's that's perfect. That's what you need. That's a full-functioning gaming device that you can do everything with. And I and I would love to see Nintendo come out with a, like a handheld that has all the buttons I need and cheaper games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually i was also at pax this last weekend and i was expecting to see more 3ds's there than i did i brought my ds because i have i've yet to jump into the 3ds investment but and i think i saw a couple of those but not a lot of people with 3ds and the people who did i'd ask them so how do you like it do you like it and i would just get this disappointed like they smelled <laughs> something bad expression they just shake their head and be like no it's yeah, okay and, and it's funny they're sitting there playing it and they don't even like it and it's like <laughs> it's like they must feel like they're obligated to play it because they, they spent so much money on it. yeah <laughs> that's mark, yeah man. sorry to mark to your point about game ramp being critical that's where we stand out because we're not gonna say oh yeah this is coming out yay we're like no this is coming <laughs> out but it's too little too late here's the problem here's what's happened in the past Here's how we think we can fix it, and that's what Game Rant does. So with it, so when we call, we see something bad or something that's not good enough. Like we feel that hurt too. We have to go out and pay money to play these games, and a lot of us paid the big bucks to get 3DS and launch, and we paid the big big bucks to get some of those games. And man, do we regret it for some of the games, anyways. So yeah, that's a little right little article. Thing. <laughs> right Getting article. Oh, I'm sorry. To the console angle that we started out on this with, I think one of the comment I wanted to make that I feel like Nintendo Wii's struggled to keep pace with, but and we talked about this I think in the last episode too, Mark. Sony's PS3 and Microsoft's 360 have done a really good job of adapting to the times and what the market wants with these systems that are five, six years old now and still dropping in price, but offering even more than before. When they first came out, it was just like, well, one plays DVDs and one plays Blu-rays. And that was really, it seemed like to be the only important debate. It's like, yeah, Xbox has its Xbox Live community thing. And, oh, great, it's going to start charging people Mm -hmm. to play online. Oh, Sony doesn't require it. But those services have evolved, and they've grown to offer so much more and in a in a good way, it's not like something that's been ultimately disappointing or anticlimactic. And Nintendo is just, it's behind the curve there. Netflix is on Wii and on 3DS, and that's great. But it's just, you don't see as much going on there. And Wii U will have a definite uphill battle if it can't adapt and evolve as quickly as its competitors have in this current generation. Yeah, that's 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 the biggest thing. Everyone, the big question mark surrounding the Wii U, outside of its wacky controller design, we're all waiting on, is the the multiplayer functionality of it, all of its online features, which the Wii didn't have. Um, and now that people are so used to using PSN and people have built up a profile on with their Xbox Live, you know, their gamer score they've built up over the years, it's going to be hard to start fresh with another, you know, a third account using Nintendo. And what yeah. is it going to do that's better? And it's like it's like the same thing we see with MMOs, right? People have invested so many years in Warcraft, World of Warcraft. Why would they want to drop all of that money and time and start something else? 
it's the same reason people keep coming back to it every time there's more content. And it's going to be tough because people are going to be able to, like when the next Xbox comes out, whether it's called the Xbox 3 or Xbox 720, whatever, in two or three years, they're going to be able to transfer their account and history to that. Yeah. But there's no history so nice. there. There's no history for Nintendo. They're starting fresh. And to do that, it feels like you're leaving behind everything you've done. So it's not going to be... I don't think the Wii U is going to be something people pick as their one console. Nintendo has to find a way to convince people to pick it up as an additional console, which I think the Wii was for a lot of gamers. Uh, yeah. Everyone, a gamer has a Wii, but it's the console that sits in the closet when they play the PS3 and Xbox. So, um, yeah, it's going to be... There's so many question marks, and I, I still think they're trying to figure it out on their end because were either of you guys at E3 this year? No, unfortunately. No. Okay, well, that press conference for Nintendo, man... The reaction of the audience when they first talked about the name of the console and then showed what they had, everyone was kind of looking at each other, saying, like, what? What does the actual console look like? What is it going to cost? What is it, what, what is it going to do? Like, you're showing us, a, like, a, a, an iPad with, with joysticks. I don't understand. You know what I mean? And then, um, but to its credit, we actually got to play with it, and it's cool. Like, the, the tech demo for Zelda was amazing. Like, we want to see that game, and we want to play it in a few months. But uh, we're going to have to wait. But... I mean, outside of Zelda and Mario, show us something new. I, I'm very curious about what you said. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to make an online platform that's going to rival what's already there and then make people want to use that. So we'll see. There's a possibility, definitely. They can definitely come up with something. Um, but that's the history of Nintendo. They're, they're always the right-angle company. You think you have a trajectory finally figured out, and all of a sudden, boom, right-angle. Completely different yeah. direction. Like, what the hell? So it, it, this time next year, we could all be saying, man, we never saw that coming, but this is the, actually the best <laughs> online service. I mean, I yeah. doubt the best online service, but it's a <laughs> I hope so. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see, I'd love to see Nintendo become like the platform that can play every type of game. You know what I mean? Not just get ports of games. Yeah. I want to be able to play all the big games, the games that show up in people's t most anticipated lists every year. I want to see those games all on the Wii U. And they are, it sounds like they're doing that because they listed all these companies working on games. All the EA Sports titles are going to be there. We're going to see Assassin's Creed. And you were just talking about Batman, Arkham Asylum. Batman, Arkham City apparently is going to be there. It's going to have cool new functions. So um, from that aspect, they're going to be good. But again, it's going to be a big question mark when it comes to multiplayer. Yeah. And actually, the whole reason why I even brought up the whole NFL ticket thing in the first place was one of my very first thoughts was, is that something Nintendo will have to compete with? Is that something that Microsoft will have a counter announcement for? Is this is this such an integrated part of our console experience now that we have to – these companies are not only going at each other in terms of online functionality or in, time, in terms of controller design or in terms of exclusives rosters. They're now going at each other in terms of social media outlets. I mean, that, that would be, that's really fascinating to me in a historical sense. Hmm. Um, yes. Uh, like, they're the must-haves, right? If there's going to be Netflix, it absolutely has to have that, and it will. Um, things like Hulu. And when it comes to sports, yeah, I do think they're going to have to have to provide that as well because – the good thing about the Wii U from, from a marketing and business standpoint is that it's going to build off of the Wii fan base, right? It's going to use the same peripherals. You can still use the Wii most and such like, stuff like that. So yeah. to the billions of people that own a Wii, this is going to be an easier buy if they can keep the cost down. You'll get a newer controller, a new device. And if it can do all the multimedia things that we're going to be seeing on the PS3 and Xbox, then yes, that's another important feature. They, they can grab a huge part of the market. But 
to be the thing that hasn't been explored yet in the console that I would love to see is if the Nintendo Wii U can support true, unrestricted cross-platform play, which we're just starting to see on PS3 with um, Valve introducing Steam, and we saw it a little bit with Portal 2, which you mentioned you played, but they just announced that Counter-Strike Global Offensive is going to actually allow full cross-platform play with mouse and keyboard on the PS3 to PC players. So that's cool. If the, Wii U can do that with PCs or other consoles, then that becomes a console you can do everything on, on top of having all these multimedia services and social networking and everything. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, again, millions of question marks. We're going to have to wait till next year to find out more. You think, Noah, does Nintendo have to have some kind of answer or response to these um, social outlet developments? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, short and simple. I, I believe they do. Hey, yeah. I'll add one more point to that. Actually, I do think if they're if they're trying to position this as like the go-to console that's going to bring back the so-called hardcore gamer, then yes, it has to have all of those features. But if they're able to do the same magic again that they did with the Wii and sell countless consoles that work for families and casual gamers and everybody alike, then I don't think they need that because it'll again become another console that people have in addition to the Xbox, the PS3, and the PC, or whatever. But um, it sounds like they want this to be the go-to console. Like, this is the thing you put in your living room. Um, in that case, they're going to have to have everything. Bring all the works. And internet usage was featured prominently in the concept video of Wii U, so I assume it's it's definitely in their plans. Yeah, definitely. And they kept talking about how connecting with others and everybody so at the E3 event and in our demos. So, yeah, I, I do think they're trying to position this as the go-to platform. Do you guys remember, a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago, Microsoft had their, their press conference for um, the ESPN announcement. And they said you can actually have your avatars on screen and you can dress them up in different, you know, like Ohio State colors or whatever. And then yeah. you can engage in polls. And I've never used that. I don't even have a connect. So I don't know if that really is impl fully implemented like they promised it would be. But I wonder if Nintendo were able to, or if they should, do something like that with the Wii U controller. Like, yes, you can watch Netflix, but you can use our special, unique exclusive controller for extra functionality somehow. Like, they'll try to use um, Netflix against Microsoft and Sony by offering some kind of expanded um, usage or availability or, I don't know, something. Yeah, oh, they, they will for sure. It's like what we're seeing with Connect on the Xbox, like the way you can control the menus now in Netflix. If, with the new controller, they're going to have countless possibilities. They're going to be able to do what you can do with iPads and Apple TVs and such, where you can, like, control all sorts of things with the iPad and you'll, sim you'll, you'll simultaneously see stuff on screen, whatever your programming is, whatever you're doing. And then on the controller, in this case the, the tablet device, you're going to be able to see other things and maybe use that as communication because it's going to have a camera there. And, it, yeah, I, I, they're totally, totally going to leverage that to offer something totally unique for, for users. And I think when it comes to – I don't know if they're going to be able to, to strike a whole bunch of sports deals. Um, in the same way we're starting to see with DirecTV and such, but uh, when it comes to it being a multimedia system with, with streaming and such, it, it absolutely will have exclusive features that we haven't seen yet. This is what they're going to do. If you want to watch the NFL ticket on the Wii U, through the Wii U, 350 bucks. But if you only want to watch it on the controller, it's only $250. That's what they're going to do. Killer app. What do you think? Uh, I don't okay. know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My cat's laughed at me. That's all that counts. 
<laughs> I actually um I wrote a column last week like what if Nintendo had a space world or as I as I like to call it still Shoshinkai because that's such a cooler name than space world. If they still had a space world this like this month 11 years ago they announced the GameCube they unveiled the GameCube they unveiled the Game Boy Advance and they unveiled Metroid Prime and Luigi's Mansion just a whole bunch of Rogue Leader which you never talked about well I guess Noah was talking about too before the show started Rob. Mm-hmm. What if they did it again this year? What if they had a big space world? And, what, and and funny enough, after I read the article before, I heard all these rumors about having a special conference. Is that supposed to be next month, Noah? Yeah, I believe it's on September 13th. 13th, okay. And so I, my column was just like, what announcements would I like to see Nintendo make? And one of them actually was, have Wii Sports 2, or whatever it's going to be called, as a, as a free pack-in with the system. Because you, you have to do that again, right? After yeah. the Wii to get all the casual gamers and grandma and grandpa. You have to do that again. But I also wanted to see um, Pac-Man Versus from the GameCube as a downloadable app for free. Because you, I mean, the controller, that's your Game Boy Advance screen, obviously. And Oh, yeah. Did you guys ever play that game? Yeah, yeah I, cool. I actually did play it, yeah. That was one of our favorite, part, my, my um, well, she was my girlfriend back then. My girlfriend and I and all of our all of our buddies would come over and we would just play that game for hours. It was that and Monkey Ball. Like, those two games just, they they were really, really great party games. If Nintendo had that as an online-only game, you download it, that would teach all the casual people and grandma and grandpa how to go online, how to register an account, how to get that for free. It would show them the ropes that they could use Netflix or whatever else down the road. Will this happen? I don't know, but I hope they do something like that. Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't see why not. It's a perfect way, like you said. It's a great, it's a, <laughs> it's a gateway game towards the online community. So, uh, yeah, that would work. Or any game like that, right? You guys have any, um, if you were running Nintendo, you know, if you were Iwata-san, what would you do? Um, what would the killer announcement be, the, the megaton that you would announce next month or at this month's fictitious Shoshinkai? Okay. Um, for me, I think it has to do with the, the hardcore gaming side of it because that's what they're trying to bring back. Um when it came to E3, there were tons and tons of rumors of like major franchises announcing an exclusive game for the Wii U, and one of those was Grand Theft Auto, the next oh, installment yeah, that's right. of that. Could you imagine if something like that happened? People would be like, oh my god. People like me would be like, I want to get a Wii U. Where do I pre-order a Wii U right now? And <laughs> tons of people. That would sell so many people. They can launch, they could land a major, major exclusive established franchise that hasn't been seen on, on a Nintendo console, and they could do that. Do it, because that will open the eyes of every publisher and distributor around the world and saying, hey, look, Nintendo's here to play, and they're going to have people wanting to get it. So, um, yeah, a major, major game like that, I think, would be an amazing announcement. And it would, like, make headlines everywhere. People would go crazy. Grand Theft Auto, John Candy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Noah? On the spot. I'm assuming this conference primarily is going to be about 3DS. So if I were able to pull something out of a Magic Hat as Iwata, I would want two or three big games that are brand new franchises. They're not remakes or sequels of existing series, which is a lot of what we've been getting, that will be exclusive to 3DS that are exciting and uh, you know i wish it would be as easy as something like several years ago when grand theft auto was coming to ds and that was such a big deal and then it flopped 
<laughs> but I think Nintendo needs to do something, work its magic, and show that it's still capable of making something compelling, much more compelling than me games and minigame compilations that's new. And that's it's a tall order, but Nintendo really hasn't made a new franchise that I can think of since Pikmin. And I think it's long overdue. Wii Sports? Yeah, you could kind of call that, but uh, a franchise, but... <laughs> It's it's hard for me to it, it, yeah it's system specific and it's just it's not it's something as compelling as Mario I guess is what I'm trying to get to in terms of mascots and branding and marketing it's just it's an experience more than it is like oh my gosh the next Wii Sports is coming I can't wait because it's just got <laughs> such a fantastic pedigree just like Mario and Zelda it's not comparable to those. No. <laughs> Um, I said I want to see Shadow Complex 2 exclusive to 3DS. That would be like one of the big announcements. Even though it's not an original franchise, like that would be holy that'd shit. That'd be pretty big. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That'd be that'd be awesome. definitely. The last topic I wanted to get to very quickly. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued, Rob, by your your hypothesis you were talking about before the, the pregame chatter before the podcast about your views of the GameCube and how Nintendo the, the fan base started to a fracture then would you mind repeating for the listeners at home yeah so for me okay a little little history here um growing up i was a big nintendo guy more than i was sega so i played nes religiously with my friends um contra Amen. with the cheat code all the time and then uh the first console i got into myself that i owned was the snes and i played that i mean i was renting games twice a week forever um, and then it was the N64. I chose that over the over the PlayStation. I did have a PlayStation, but um, I don't know. I was just really into the N64, even though it had ridiculous controller designs. I just loved everything about it, and all, so many so many big games. So when it came time that they were going to bring out the GameCube, which it was called the Dolphin as a code name before that, I believe, mm-hmm. and there was so much hype. Everyone thought, oh, the next Perfect Dark is going to come out for, and all these crazy things. And then it came out, and it that all kind of fell apart, and it came up with a controller that felt nice, but it didn't really have two joysticks. And I felt like it was just missing the, the huge games. I thought N64 had all the big multi-platform games, and then it came to the GameCube. It didn't, it, it didn't deliver that for me, and there was very few games I actually wanted to play for. And as I mentioned before the show, uh, I'm a huge Rogue Squadron fan, so I, I played that in its sequel. I played the core Mario titles, but I wasn't a fan of Sunshine or... Luigi's Mansion, so I felt like it was doing a disservice to my to, to the the mainstay franchises. Even Zelda, I was not a fan of Wind Waker. I loved Ocarina of Time, I didn't like this, the art style or design of Wind Waker, so it kind of lost me. And then right out, we got the Xbox and PS2, which had like dual joystick controllers and, and the bigger, better graphic games. You know, after a while, and I felt like an online play. So I'm like, that kind of I think was the breaking point where uh, they were able to sell especially the PS2, to the new generation of gamers at the time. And then the hardcore gamers of Nintendo's past, I thought were going to start, they started moving over. And then um, we got the Wii, which became a casual platform. So, um, yeah, GameCube, was, I think, was the start of that before the Wii. Interesting. I never thought about it that way before. It, it, it makes sense, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. But it's just, it kind of caught me by surprise. It's like, oh, yeah, I, uh, sure, I guess. Yeah, and the best way to say it is like if you had a game, if you were a gamer and you played a lot of hours in a week, and you had a GameCube and 
a PS2 or and an Xbox, which did you play more and which did you end up having more games for? And I got a feeling, more, yeah, it's always going to be the other two. It's not going to be the GameCube. And I think that's the example of it. And the same thing for the Wii. Like, the Wii sold a ton of consoles, but I bet the hours of usage per console is infinitely inferior to what people are going to say for the PS3 and Xbox. Yeah, valid points. Yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> I still play a handful of GameCube games to this day, like Pac-Man versus every once in a while, or the, the Monkey Ball games, definitely. Whereas I can't tell you the last time I played an Xbox game or a PlayStation 2 game. Oh, yeah, well, I don't play Xbox. Like You mean Xbox 360 and PS3, like the, the current consoles? No, no the, the previous generation. Oh, no, they've been replaced, so no, totally, I agree. Like, I, I wouldn't play, but I don't play my GameCube either, to be honest. I mean, Nestor's games, I, I, for some reason, I can't play. I can't play on the new consoles. No, I, I, don't, I don't play any of the old generation consoles anymore. Mm-hmm. But I would gladly turn on my SNES to play Super Mario World, so <laughs> that counts. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, that's an okay game, I guess. <laughs> Do you have any cool. last uh, points or anything, Noah? No, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to move into some quick pieces of feedback, oh, which yeah. are pertinent to our earlier discussions. In the last episode, we did a console report card with Doug Perry, where we talked about, of the three brands of consoles in the current generation, which ones were most successful, most innovative, had the best game libraries, which ones are best best poised to be successful in the next generation. And we got some really good feedback. I'd like to thank the listeners who wrote in. Some of them are from Nintendo, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with that. So first up from Lewis, he said, really enjoyed listening to this. Nintendo have dropped the ball in the last few years sales-wise. Everyone I know who owns a 360 has had a break on them. When mine broke, I kind of lost faith in Microsoft and bought a PS3. Speaking of PS3, Sony had a terrible start this generation, but have come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. Leaves a lot of room to improve for the next generation, so I personally am looking forward to it, whenever that may be. Lewis. Um, I'll quickly touch on the point he made about uh, losing faith in, faith in Microsoft. That was a huge problem. The, the, the problem with launching the Xbox in 05, a year before the PS3 and the, and the Wii launched, is that they rushed the development of the hardware, and we saw with the Red Ring of Death. Everyone suffered from that. I lost the console. I lost the console right before Mass Effect 3 was com- or Mass Effect 2 was coming out. And I just lost my mind. Yeah, I had to go and buy a used Xbox and plug my hard drive into it just so I can play it. And then... Um, yeah, so that was that was awful, awful experience. But um, so while the hardware failed at first, um, I don't think anyone can deny their services. Yeah, I think the Xbox Live platform as an online service is is the best. I hate having to pay for it. I hate having to pay to play with friends online. But I mean, um, from a quality perspective, I think that's the, the go-to service for me. Um, but yeah, the hardware was such a fail at first. But now, like if the, the newer models, you can get the elite smaller. You know, the black 250 yeah. gig hard drive ones, those ones are flawless. So um, it's a mistake, I hope, that never happens again for any of the manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I agree. For me, my 360 has been reliable, fortunately, knock on wood. I got mine when they released their Elite bundle, so it had been revised to make the Red Ring of Death less, much less, uh, occur much less often. 
And when I went in, I was such a Nintendo fanboy. I mean, I had a P- an Xbox and a PS2 that I played more than my GameCube <laughs> in the previous generation. But I'm like, this gamer score stuff is such crap. I'm not into this EPing contest. And, I, you know, paying for playing online is just so stupid. But once I finally got into it, it was so addictive and so compelling. And all of a sudden I realized what I'd been missing and then what I wanted Nintendo to do, because I wanted Nintendo to be to be offering this great experience being just as good as its competitors, but so far, not so much. Mm. Once that first achievement gets unlocked, there's there's no going back. <laughs> yeah. some party see that icon pop up here, it's like a whole new world. <laughs> you hear it in your sleep, you're like, yes, oh. Um, I have a PS2 on launch day. And I get basically every system on launch day, more or less. And all my systems I still have, and they, I, they're still plugged in, they still work. Well, the Super Nintendo actually doesn't work. I have to fix that. Anyway, um, I went through, without exaggeration, five or six PlayStation 2s. Oh, man. Wow. And, but, luckily enough, at the time, I worked at GameStop, so I can just trade them in um, with the, the warranty bullshit, whatever that was. But found out like a couple of years later it was the more you used it as a dvd player the more it wore out the system and the that's more... right so when everyone's complaining about microsoft and 360 and microsoft should get a huge slap in the ass well i guess it'd be a slap on the wrist they might like the slap on the <laughs> um they should absolutely get slapped in the wrist for that. that that is absolute bullshit but my response is always i already went through that with sony so it's like okay big deal microsoft, Sony did it not microsoft whatever doesn't matter so I never quite had the same level of vitriol towards them as other people have. Yeah, and to their credit, they did fix the warranty. They extended everybody's warranties on those models for three years, and that's what saved me because mine was over two years old when it happened. And then I got it back. I had to wait a month, but I got it back. You know, <laughs> they sent me the box. I didn't have to do anything. I just put it in the box and sent it. The problem was the inconvenience of not having your Xbox for a month. Yeah. But, uh, they gave you like a free month or whatever of Xbox Live Gold since you have to pay for that crap. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it does suck. But like you said, it happened before, and maybe that's why so many PS2 units were sold it's because they kept breaking everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Elite models of the Xbox 360 are great, and now the newer—I don't know what they're called—but the, the the Slims, we'll call them the Xbox 360 Slims. They don't even have the Red Ring of Death option. Like those lights are not there. You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot ROD an Xbox 360 anymore. Uh, that's funny. Now it's just Bill Gates going. <laughs> <laughs> Master of Sands wrote in to last week's uh, to the episode three. The Wii U will be like Obi Wan. If it, it will start out strong, disappear, come back more unnoticed, then disappear in a flash. And like when Kenobi was part of the Force, it will be remembered and scratch out the old comment. Oh, sounds like Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't say that. Everything was um, Star Wars related last last time, or last bi week. Everything was oh. uh, an analogy. I kept comparing all the Nintendo systems to different Sith apprentices. Oh, man, I'm... I should have came on for that one. <laughs> Love Star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do the screen, the screen rant, um, the Tendojo matchup. We'll talk about Dark Knight Rises, and we'll talk about uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I'll talk movies if you guys want to talk movies. I do so, love movies. Do it, huh? <laughs> Catherine wrote in, at one point I was considering getting a 360 just for Mass Effect because my laptop is so woefully underpowered, but as Lewis has mentioned, they're so prone to breaking that it put me off altogether. 
Thankfully, my brother has a PS3, and I'm starting to sneak in a few games that I've missed out on over the years. I'd also agree that the PS3 has more interesting games than the 360. So many games, but so little time. Yeah, that's the problem. Time is everything, right? But, Catherine, if you're listening, please play Mass Effect 1 on an Xbox. You have to play <laughs> the first one before you play the second one. I, I like that Mass Effect 2 became available in the PS3, but that little comic it comes with to make up for the first game does not make up for the first game. You have to play Mass Effect 1. So if you had more time, I'd say get a 360 just for that game, because that's one of my favorite games ever. Hmm. <laughs> Good point. I'm actually, uh, when I went to PAX, my buddy that I went with, he constantly chided me. Like He brought it up several times once he found out that I hadn't finished Mass Effect 1. He's like, you have to play it. Why? What do you? What do you mean you haven't played that? So, the galaxy depends on it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> last and an amusing self-referential note: our co-host from the last episode, Doug, added a comment. Hey, I really like this podcast, except for one thing. Who's that Doug Perry guy? He made me just want to punch <laughs> him in the face. Odd choice, I'll say. Next thing you know, you're going to get Per Schneider on and then let him talk all night long. Or for God's sakes, Matt Gasmasina. What a tragedy. <laughs> Wink, Doug. That's why I would uh, I would probably shit myself if we got Matt Casimus, you know, on here. <laughs> it would be cool. <laughs> but was... in the interim, Rob, we have had a great time with you on the show. Thanks for staying up so late over there in the Eastern Time Zone. Oh, dude, I'm gonna be up for a few more hours. So thank you guys both for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Yeah, and listeners, if you want to send any feedback, the email format, airship at nintendojo.com, or you can leave us a comment on the website. We hope you liked this episode, and we will be back in another couple weeks with another super cool guest co-host. Thanks again, Rob, and we'll see you next time. Strong candy. And now for some quick credits. The music used in this podcast comes from Overclocked Remix, a not-for-profit website dedicated to the video game music remixing community. You can check the site out at www.ocremix.org. Here are the specific songs we use in the production of this show. Our introduction uses the remix Phoenix Symphonic, created by remixer Grey Lightning. The original track is The Airship, from Square's NES classic Final Fantasy IV. The original composer was Nobuo Oimatsu. Our transition features the remix Space Orchestral from remixer McVaffey, based on Kraid's Chamber from Nintendo's NES classic Metroid. The original composer was Hirokazu Tanaka. If you like these remixes, you can download more at www.ocremix.org and find many of the original game soundtracks for purchase at Amazon.com or iTunes. Additionally, many of the games mentioned are available for purchase on Wii or 3DS's virtual consoles or at retail stores. Once again, thanks for listening to Airship Travelogs, a Nintendo Dojo podcast. Be sure to check out the site's original podcast, Dojo Shogo.